Hello, everybody. Welcome to PM versus PMM. This podcast is about products and product roles. My name is Arjun. And my name is Aditi. And today we want to talk about PM versus PMM priorities when joining a new team, a new company, or a new project. This topic really is about what a PM or a PMM really wants to look for in a new role, whether it's in an existing company or they're coming into a new place, especially because we know that product teams tend to be a little older than product marketing teams. So we're trying to understand how new product marketers who are probably creating new roles and responsibilities coming into the project, we want to understand what the product management team has already been working on and how we can really figure out the best way to split the responsibility so that it doesn't feel like there's any sort of work that they want to be doing being stolen away while we also as a product marketing team have valuable work that we can do Mm -hmm. so that's like the first thing you do is like connect with your pm and figure out like how you want to split work with that person what are the kinds of things that you'd be looking for so the first thing that i'd be looking for is to really understand what my pm counterpart strengths are so what are some things that they really enjoy working on or stuff that they are really just excellent at because those are the kind of Mm -hmm. jobs and responsibilities you don't want to be taking away from that person right if they're really good at maybe figuring out roadmap that's something that you want them to spearhead whether Mm -hmm. Or if it's like writing technical blogs, stuff like that. That's stuff that you want them to continue doing. Well, I'll come in and I'll understand, okay, what are some tasks that they feel like they're being in a way forced to be do, or they just don't like doing for whatever reason. Those are- Yeah, putting those, off stuff that they're yeah. putting off. So the, that's the first way you can divide. That's obviously not the only way because that can become very biased. And sometimes as a PMM new coming in, I can, if I do it only that way, I can end up with a bunch of mediocre tasks and nothing with actual strategic value. Um, It's possible. So we really want to be able to negotiate. Okay. So what are some things that as a PMM, I can do better for whatever Mm -hmm. reason? So whether that's talking to customers or doing strategic analysis of feedback coming in, stuff like that. So we want to figure out where Is there something that I can do better with the kind of Mm -hmm. perspective that I'm coming in with? Yeah. Is that like a collaborative thing or is it like taking work off their plate? It's definitely collaborative. It should be as collaborative as possible because it's a very delicate partnership that PM, PMMs have. That's the whole point of our podcast, right? So we have to make sure that PMMs, when they're coming as a new team into an existing PM org, We want to make them feel like we're partners rather than someone who's just trying to take over in some way. For sure. That actually is really closely connects with my first priority as a PM joining a new team company or project. It's a little looser though. Instead of just focusing on the PMM counterpart, I'm focusing on all of the relationships. Like who is my eng lead? Who are my eng managers? Who are the, of course, product marketing people? Who are my leadership? It's like a super people-oriented role. And so my first step is like developing deep relationships 
with all of the lead and people that I, I will need to be learning from and working with. And then also like the team dynamics of the engineering team, especially like what is their scrum process and what's their velocity and like really understanding how they like to work as well. So like really similar there that like both of these roles are people oriented roles and therefore like the first priority is going to like super based on like connection. That's cool. Yeah. So Arjun, when you start working with your PMM counterpart, are there certain activities or projects that you want to be working with them closer on? Yeah, I think that we mentioned this in another episode. Like for me, I really want help from my PMM counterpart on getting users feedback directly on a subject. So it's really busy already to be connecting with all of the stakeholders on the project internally. And so where I would want to work with my PMM counterpart really closely is, okay, how do we represent users in here as well? And we've talked about that on a previous episode of different ways we can do that, but that's where I would want the most help in. Because I think what ends up happening a lot is that you end up talking to all these stakeholders because they're right there in your Slack channel and you're not talking to users enough and not understanding like what are they working, not watching them. I think like what you said of how starting with someone as a new PMM is like really accurate, you know, let's, let's meet and figure out what that thing is. For me, it's talking to users, but I could definitely see another PM, maybe perhaps one that has like a background in psychology or something wanting to help on roadmap and wanting help on talking to different people, you know? Any other priorities, Aditi, for a PMM joining a new team besides the first one, the second one? I mean, what's your Um, second priority? My second priority is definitely figuring out the go-to-market process at whatever Mm. company that I'm joining, because that's definitely a Mm -hmm. project that PMM is going to be spearheading, right? Are there any frameworks for how go to market's done in the past uh, at a company if there aren't what are the the basic steps that are taken usually do we have a certain amount of collateral that's created do we know who our audience is and where our audience is and stuff like that so we really want to know what the go to market process looks like and we also really want to know is who's involved in the go to market process right so if it's mm-hmm. something that For example, if I'm going into a company where product marketing didn't exist until I came along, who was doing product releases before this? Was it the head of marketing? Was it the head of products? Was it the CEO? Who was it? And I would want to create a real relationship with this person so that I can take that task off their plate and start doing it. When you say start doing it, does that mean you're setting up a system and that's going to be like largely how the system will be? Or is to you, is it more iterative? Like, okay, the first month, you're actually not going to change anything. Then the second month, you're going to like make small tweaks. Or I say months, but what I really mean is cycles. Yeah. The second cycle, you're just making small tweaks. And third cycle, you know, like you're slowly changing things. Or are you going to come in and like reset the whole thing? Oh, no, it's definitely iterative, especially if we already have a certain amount of things that we need to release in a certain period. 
we don't want to yeah. be going out and making a completely new process because that's just going to create a lot of havoc and make the release mm -hmm. even harder than it needs to be. So it's definitely an iterative process and you learn from every release, right? You learn, okay, so this is how the teams work together in this one. This is how we can pro improve it in the future. So say for the first one, I do a small release where I have like a blog. I have a couple of things that needs to be done by demand gen. I have the product person helping me with sales engineering and sales enablement, stuff like that. And then mm -hmm. I realized, okay, so sales enablement is something that I can probably take off your guys' plate and do some all on my own as I become more mm -hmm. of a product expert because it takes time to become a product expert and it takes time to really become the person that and has all the answers to product-related questions. So yeah, that makes sense. And the other is maybe we've realized that our customer isn't where we thought they were. Maybe some sort of blog or some sort of online newsletter is something that we really want to look at. Maybe YouTube ads is something that we really want to consider. Stuff like that. We we learn from every process and then we do a better go-to-market every single time. Yep, that makes sense. Exper it's just like a product right? Like you're experimenting with the process and figuring out where your users are and what they're, how they want to be pitched to. Exactly. Cool. For, again, like really similar, Aditi, for me, it's instead of go to market being my, go to market process being my second most important thing that I'm setting up, I'm setting up like product measurements and like, how do I understand what, what performance of the product is going to be? What are my key value metrics that from leadership or I create those myself? What is the baseline of those numbers? And how am I going to measure if that got improved properly? You know, and we were also talking about that stuff kind of last episode as well. Like, how do we put stuff in the app to like tell us that this is working or not? And so the second step for me after I connect with everyone is going to be how do I measure this whole process so I can start like experimenting after that? Yeah, that's definitely something that's priority for a PMM too. What I've seen from a PMM is they're usually hired when it's like firefighter mode, where the a company usually has too much work for the amount of people that they have. And they're looking for someone to come and do like a go-to-market for them. Like One of the first projects that a PMM usually has is to do a go-to-market for a new release that they're trying to do. And mm -hmm. so the metrics kind of just come as you're doing the project itself. I'm sure you've experienced that in product also, um, mm -hmm. where you're just looking at, okay, so this is what I need to get done, but this is also, these are the different KPIs that we've been looking at and maybe mm -hmm. from past experience, or you're looking at new channels, you bring in new, new performance metrics, but you don't necessarily know what the performance is going to look like. So you kind of are just going on out on a whim from like past experience or just like general knowledge on what the numbers should ideally look like. But obviously mm -hmm. for every company, they're different. So on the first couple go to markets, I feel like key performance metrics, obviously there's a certain number that you definitely want to be reaching, but what your ideal numbers for that company are something that you iterate on and then you figure out, okay, this is what's successful. This is what isn't. And this is what success looks like. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. And then it's kind of a process of connecting it all the way through the funnel, right? Like what is success at the go-to-market stage? What is success at the 
sign up stage what's success at the blah 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 as you go all throughout and figure out and then it's a lot of experimenting from there like once we've set that up right for me the third thing that is my priority when i start a new product or join a new company is so now let quick refresh i've connected started forming deep relationships with the team and learning the dynamics i've started looking at the metrics and how to improve them and what the key things are. And now I really want to start sourcing ideas. I think that like the developers have fantastic ideas. They were looking at the product every day. The sales team has fantastic ideas. They're selling the product every day. The marketing team has fantastic ideas. Customers too have fantastic ideas. And so that's what I'm looking to set up. How can I organize my day or week around getting input and learning? Because with all that information funneling towards me, I'll have a, a wealth of resources to like figure out what we should build next. What about you, Aditi? What's your third thing? My third thing is similar. I'd say yeah. my, the third thing that I would be focusing on is feedback. Whether I've mm-hmm. connected with people, I've done, I've understood what the go go to market process looks like. But product marketing is a lot more than just go to market. It's understanding the customers, understanding the product, and it's understanding all the people involved in getting into the market. Right. Mm-hmm. So the last thing that I would be looking at, other than performance metrics, is getting feedback from not just the customer, but the internal team that was involved in all the work that we've been doing. So I came in, I did something, and now I'm coming to my PM counterpart and being like, okay, this is what worked well in our partnership this time around, and this is what didn't, this is how we can make changes. Maybe you have some feedback that you want to give me. I go to other parts of the team that I've been working with, sales, with sales enablement, demand gen, and all of these other teams that I would be working with and try to understand, okay, how can I make their job easier? Because that's essentially what a product marketer is there for. I'm there to help answer all the sales questions about the product and marketing process. I'm there to help sales enablement give the information that is necessary to the sales team in the best way possible. I'm there to help customer success have a product expert on their calls in case they need to answer any questions that they can't or to provide any sort of insight into the roadmap that we're working on. I'm there for demand gen to help them understand, okay, where is a user? Where can we get the best results possible? So I like to explain a PMM's role as someone who's just there to make everyone else's life easier. Mm, that's pretty cool. So, cause that's essentially what we are really there for. We're the product and customer yeah. expert, and we're there to help everyone be able to do their jobs more efficiently. Yeah, yeah. So the feedback process is incredibly important because if you aren't getting feedback from the people you're working with, you're not really making mm-hmm. their lives that much easier, right? Definitely. Or you're missing gaps and you don't want to be doing that. So yeah. that's one thing that's incredibly important to me, creating a feedback loop that creates an open dialogue between everyone that I work with. Yeah. How would you, how would you do that? Like, is that regular calls with people or is that like a feedback form? I would say regular calls is more personal. I can talk to them tell them okay this is what works and what we can cut how I can help further and they can give me the feedback that they want I can ask the questions that I need to in that moment Mm -hmm. 
and I can really help them feel comfortable telling me what they need to. Yeah, for sure. I think this is one of the things that I made a mistake on in the past where we had set up, the team had set up a thing in product board. So anytime a customer would say something, give us reviews, it would all feed into product board. And we then started asking customer success and other teams to start contributing to the form too, instead of just talking to them. And it, I think it created a divide in the past. And I love that we're now thinking that it's better to talk in person because that's how you're going to get real understanding about For sure. anything. The one place where I saw the, the most effectiveness for getting on a call rather than asking them to like give you feedback on a form is with sales. So I worked with sales a lot, obviously, as a PMM. And one thing that mm -hmm. I noticed is if I ask them to fill something like a, maybe a sheet or a form out, I won't get as detailed information from them because it feels like more work to them. While if I get on a call in a 30-minute span, I can ask whatever questions I want to ask. They can say it. They don't have to write anything down. And mm. they feel a lot more personal with me. And they're able to think on their feet, too, about whatever deal we're talking about. And they can give me much more personal information and much more detailed information about whatever I need. And I always get better feedback from whoever I'm talking to if I talk to them on a Zoom call or something or in person rather than ask them to write something down and send it over. Yeah, I agree. And even talking to developers, I completely agree with that because developers are people too. They have opinions. They understand what the product is. They might not be talking to users all the time, but they see all, all the nitty gritty that's in the code. And they have a huge database in their head of stuff that they've built. And they have a recollection of all the things product people have told them. Oh, users like to do this. Users like that. We need this feature. You're spending like your next two days building feature X because users do thing A. And so they end up building up this great knowledge of product and users from a very like technical way because they're building it into the app. And I think having discussions with them is the best way to start sharing that knowledge and so that it's up at the front and it doesn't get hidden. And, and then they have a better understanding of what they're building as well, because they, they can connect it back to like where we are, we are currently. Yeah. Calls are really the best thing. Yeah. So actually it's a great segue into what we want to talk about next in our news segment. So the latest news in tech is that Susan Wachitsky has stepped down from YouTube. And what's interesting is that the person who's going to take over as CEO for YouTube is Neil Mohan. He has been working as a CPO for YouTube for a while now. And I would love to ask you, we've seen this trend in Fang especially, where we see product people go on to become CEOs. And I would love to ask you, what attributes about a product person do you see that make them great CEOs? Yeah, I think the first thing is that they're just in the middle. The, the CEO's number one job is to set the vision and sell the mission. And being in the middle 
as a PM, as any or in product in general, is you're just in the middle of all of these groups that we were just talking about. And I think that's the number one thing that will help to be in a CEO role because you're used to this middle position of selling and listening and pitching what the mission needs to be for the product. So now you're just doing it at a company scale and all those relationships and all of the dynamics, I think are like really important in tech. We mentioned big tech, right? So when you're building a technical product, that's like the most important thing is being able to keep all of these parties in the loop of like what the direction of the company is. And so that's, I think the number one thing which really does well to connect back to what we were talking about as our top three priorities when we join, right? First one is always like the relationships. And so, yeah, same thing. It's nice to see uh-huh. another brown face in the FANG leadership board. Uh-huh. But other than that, it's it's also a bittersweet moment because we're seeing one of the only CEOs in FANG who's a woman step down and... It's sad to see whatever someone like that steps down, but it's interesting to see what she's done with YouTube in the past many years that she's been there. She created yep. she created this platform out of YouTube where not only did she create a revenue source for it, which it didn't have when it, first, when it first joined Google, she created this influencer platform on it that has created multiple communities. It's mm-hmm. created a lot of drama too. The infamous makeup influencers drama is always brought up when it comes to communities. <laughs> but it's it's been an incredible place for learning, honestly. YouTube is my go-to place if I ever want to learn something new. Yeah. And and I think they did a great job with uh with creators as well. YouTube today in 2023, YouTube is known as the place to go if you want to make money as a creator everyone is getting hot on tiktok and instagram and trying to start youtube channels so yeah the youtube's done a great job at building community and building the best of a two-sided marketplace you mentioned like people are starting youtube channels but i do think that instagram reels and tiktok have become a much mm-hmm. bigger space for influencers than ever before. People are yeah. getting millions and millions of followers on TikTok, getting like influencer deals, they're getting partnerships and all this without ever having to have anything on YouTube. Completely agree. Yeah, YouTube definitely has some product issues that they're going to have to figure out under this changing under the changing market, right? Like attention I mean, span we have is being the infamous YouTube TV, right? You mentioned last time in, a couple episodes ago about the failed projects of Google and YouTube TV mm-hmm. is one of them. YouTube yep. TV did not make it. They tried a lot yep. to do YouTube Red. They tried to do YouTube TV. Oh yeah, YouTube Red. I remember that. <laughs> and they yeah. both weren't successful. For whatever reason, YouTube just wasn't able to create that subscription model that a lot of other streaming brands have been able to. All thanks to the reducing attention spans, right? Shorts has worked out though. Shorts has, YouTube it's because people's attention spans, I feel like, has gotten so much shorter. People don't want to watch a video for longer than like 10 seconds anymore. That's why TikToks are such a big deal. Mm -hmm. I think another YouTube problem that the new CEO is going to have to tackle, they've been trying to tackle for a long time, is 
content moderation on YouTube. There's been a lot of really not great stuff uploaded to YouTube as well. And moderating that is another huge issue for social media. Did you know that content moderators are usually people? Yeah. And it's not good for them. Either. No, it's, it's not. It's really bad for mental health. It sounds not like a great. terrible job. That's where we need chat GPT for sure. Although <laughs> we can't trust that either. So, <laughs> but yeah, YouTube, I think has like a really, has a lot of pros and has a lot of cons in their like product roadmap to, to tackle and to keep alive and, or to continue to improve on. And so, yeah, I think like some new blood in YouTube is going to be really interesting to watch. Would you like to do our fun fact of the thing? Yes, I will start. Sure. So my fun fact for the day, it's very similar to what we were talking about, actually. The radio took 38 years to reach an audience of 50 million people. And compared to that, today, it took ChatGPT one month to reach 57 million people. So it's just, it's a testament to how far we've come since the first traditional technology came around. Yeah, when radio came around, there was no internet. Yeah. And now, thanks to the internet, we can reach so many people. That's crazy. Awesome. 38 years. Like, I've been 10 years. years less than that. For my fun fact, I wanted to stay on the topic of YouTube. There are currently 200 million hours of content on YouTube, which is equivalent of, of 23 thousand years of YouTube content and there's more being uploaded every day. So I don't think it, well, it's definitely not possible to watch all of YouTube right now, which is pretty awesome. It'll be one of those things where aliens will come down on an apocalyptic earth and find the YouTube server and just be able to learn so much about humanity. All the worst parts of humanity. <laughs> <laughs> and the best. Don't forget the makeup controversy. That's the best stuff. <laughs> okay, cool. Thank you so much, Aditi. That's our show. Thank you all for listening as well. We want to talk about products and we're doing this to learn and express ourselves. So if you have ideas, we would love to hear them. We would love to have you be a part of our show. Just let us know at our email in the description. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. All right. Bye, guys.